Hey, babe. How's it going? Oh, man. It's going cool. Going cool. Going cool. Okay. We're part of the Bar Podcast Network now. What's up, Dwayne? Dwayne and Charles and family. Yep. We have an extended family at the Bar Podcast Network. It's exciting. That's a lot of people Thank on it. Thank you for doing all the... All the legwork. Well, I'm just the talent. I want to think. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I didn't do much legwork. I, I I love the fact that God kind of brought this about and. You took uh, the initiative, and then they responded to it. Is Dwayne just, saw chemistry between us. Well, good. We're married, so. I know. Wasn't that funny though when you said that? Um, I, I feel okay. some chemistry. That was good. I yeah. loved it. Um, happy look, Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's um, Day. Yeah, we're all posting this. Yeah, we're posting this tomorrow morning. Okay. Which will be uh, Tuesday, so this will be... So hopefully a lot of people are happy tomorrow morning. It'll be... <laughs> <laughs> See the aphrodisiac episode for <laughs> clarification on that. Uh, if you hear any noise in the background, our dogs are wrestling under us in our studio slash living room. Um, so they're just jumping around. Stop eating my shoe. This is Why real, are you eating my shoe? This is real life. Real life. Stop eating my shoe. There was just a meltdown with a child. Because we're trying to record this a little earlier so that I'm not yawning the whole time. Amen to that. And also just so that we can be more... Um, more. We can be deeper. Yeah. Someday, we might try to do this early in the morning. Well, we've talked about it. That'd be and strange. then we sleep. We still get up early. Yeah. But well, this morning was ooh. three. She sounds scared, too. Well, she's scared. mad because she was biting my toe. Okay. I pulled anyway, it out of her mouth. We have a lot to talk about, so let's do this. Okay. Um, welcome to the show. This is the podcast of a guy. A brain. And a Bible. We read the Bible out loud to each other and talk about it. And we invite you along. We and want we read comment we plagiarize. We don't we read, plagiarize. We, uh, we promote. Cite. We, we cite. We cite the commentary. We read commentary because reading the Bible does not have to you don't have to have an a PhD. Nope, nor a I MD. Mean, you can. But right. if you're like me and you don't... Yeah, you're busy getting a different doctorate. Oh, come on. But I'm just saying that the Bible was never meant to just be for... The learned. Yeah. It has good things for all of us. All of us. And that's what we're doing. It's true. I'm, I'm, that's a, a great way to put it, too. It really is. And I'm glad for that. And I think it's actually the enemy that says, oh, you're never going to understand that. You shouldn't even bother. Yeah, you know, to touch on that, to bring it to, to, to real... Today, St. Valentine's Day, he was martyred. There really was a St. Valentine who was martyred. And one of the reasons he was martyred was for reading <coughs> scripture to the common man and teaching them how to read it. No way. Making it accessible to the common man. See, the enemy doesn't want that. Yeah. So we want to... it doesn't get more common than me, baby. <laughs> That's not true, man. <laughs> you are so uncommon. You uncommon. Dumb so, it down. No, we don't dumb it down for you. <laughs> no, we don't. But we are, uh, we're, we're reading uh, not a very uh, romantic passage. We have a lighthearted Sodom and Gomorrah tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're, if you're new to the show, welcome. We, uh, I read from the <coughs> faithlife.com Bible app and study Bible. So it's the Lexham English version with its commentary. And I read the Ryrie commentary on New American Standard. And, and sometimes I dabble in some NIV or even just to frustrate careful, you with the message. Careful, careful. <laughs> she brought the message into my house. It's, and, not, uh, it's not 
We don't read that on the show. Anyway. We don't read that on the show. The New American Standard is what I'm reading tonight. All right. She is. And, shall uh, we pray? We shall pray, and we'll tell everybody what we're reading. Go. Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for um, the ability to spend time with you and reading the Bible together. And thank you that you use anybody who is willing in ways that um, we could not do on our own. I pray that you will be glorified tonight through our conversation, that we will learn things in your word that we have never noticed before. And I just thank you so much for marriage and for Mark and um, for the ways um, that we can bless each other. And um, I pray that our marriage will bring honor to you and help us to have some fun and learn what you want us to learn tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So while we were praying there, I wasn't trying to break uh, my concentration of prayer, but... The dog fight? The dog fight. No, it just flashed on me that in our description of our podcast, it just says that we're not unlike any married couple with a handful of daughters or a bunch of daughters (coughs) and things happen at the speed of life. It does. This is... You're hearing our life, you know. Our, it's a ferocious dog fight between a three-month-old basset hound and, and a doodle. Eighteen-month-old doodle. I mean, whew. That's ferocious. The basset hound thinks that she's way tougher than the doodle. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. That's right, Tallulah. Tallulah May. All right. Oh, she's scary. Okay. So, so we're going to read Genesis 18 and 19. Yep. And then Matthew 13, long, 13, 1 through 43. Wrapping it up with Ecclesiastes, a little chaser, uh, chapter 4, 1 through 7. Um, this is the Connect the Testaments reading plan that you can find in the um, uh, store. It's for free, but there are reading, several reading plans on the website for faithlife.com. And we're choosing to do Connect the Testaments because we like to thread the New Testament and the Old Testament. Some extra yeah, stuff our on. original plan that we use that we, um, just for a couple of reasons we decided to switch from, was a little similar to that. And we have found that even within one sitting, yeah. we'll find some parallels. I'm not sure about Sodom and Gomorrah parallels tonight, but you know. Um, you never know, because it came up our last yeah, recording. It did. It did. It did. It did. Jesus was uh, in Capernaum. If Sodom and Gomorrah would have seen what I do. They would be repentant. It would still be standing. That's right. It would still be standing. And now we're going to hear how bad that Sodom and Gomorrah was. Yeah. And Jesus was, it's like hyperbole, right? It's so cool how it ties together two days into this. Yeah, so, so yeah. Um, there's so many, there's like the different schools where it's like, oh, the Old Testament is everything, or the New Testament, I only read the red letter things, yeah. and it's all, what is it, all scripture is profitable? Profitable, for instruction, for correction, for reproof, Yep. God-breathed, yep. yeah, So read um, it all. And read it with your spouse. Out loud. Okay, let's do it. Here we go. chapter 18 Genesis and Yahweh appeared to him him is uh, Abraham and his name at this point has been changed from Abram to Abraham and Yahweh appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre and he was sitting in the doorway of the tent at the heat of the day and he lifted up his eyes and saw and behold three men were standing near him and he saw them and ran from the doorway of the tent to meet them And he bowed down to the ground, and he said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your eyes, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest under the tree. And let me bring a piece of bread. Then refresh yourselves. Afterward you can pass on, once you pass by with your servant. 
Then they said, Do as you've said. Then Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah. And he said, Quickly, make three seahs of fine flour for kneading and make bread cakes. And Abraham ran to the cattle and took a calf tender and, oh, took a calf tender. Sorry. Took a calf <laughs> tender and good and gave it to the servant. And he made haste to prepare it. Then he took cur curds and milk and the calf which he prepared and set it before them. And he was standing by them under the tree while they ate. And pause this for just a second. I just want to pause this for a second. It's eight verses. I've been a chef. You just don't whip up a couple loaves of bread and butcher a cow in 20 minutes. Okay, but Ryrie does say that these are... And he used a word that I don't think we're supposed to use anymore. But he said he Abraham offered typical Oriental courtesies to his guests. Okay. And the details of these verses, e.g. they ate, show that this was no vision or dream. So he legit just dropped everything. Yeah. But apparently he didn't even know that this was a well, spiritual kind of encounter. That's what the other thing I was, I was you know, wanted to, to address here in the narrative... Real quick, first one says, and Yahweh appeared to him by the by the oaks of Mamre. And it's just, it's so interesting. It says that, you know, Abraham was sitting in the doorway of the tent, just hanging out. It's really hot, so he's not moving, not sweating. There's no air conditioning. Looked up, and he saw three men standing near him. They were just there. And he ran <coughs> from the doorway of the tent to meet them on a hot, sweaty, nasty day. And he ran to them, but he had no idea who they were. And he bowed to the ground. Was there a presence about them? Was he feeling some vibe there that we just don't see? Um, my note quickly says, three men were standing. This indicates that these figures were embodied, physical. Verse one indicates that one of the men is Yahweh. A Christophany. Christophany. This is uh, confirmed in several verses, verses 10, 13, <coughs> and 17 through 22. Uh, the divine name uh, appears with respect to one of the figures. The other two leave for Sodom, and they are identified as angels. Uh, he bowed down to the ground. This gesture and the offer of a meal are customs in ancient Near Eastern hospitality. To say, my Lord, little L, it could be that Abraham does not know he's speaking to Yahweh. But this That's is, what Ravi said, too. But this is unlikely. The Hebrew verbs used in this verse are singular. Indicating that Abraham addresses only one of the individuals, Yahweh, as Adonai. Or Ad yeah, Adonai. Um, the same form of address occurs later in verse 27 when Abraham notes that he has spoken boldly with Adonai. Okay. And in verse 4 and 5, the Hebrew verbs are plural as Adam addresses the other two figures in the invitation. So that's about the deepest dive as we go reading that because... Um, we want to just get into the plain text here. But to give an idea, um, earlier yesterday, I think it was, we were, um, Emily was doing some reading. We were, she was asking some questions. So I paused her just after a couple words. I said, what did you just read? And yeah, she's like, oh. She was like, what? And I said, <coughs> oh, we were reading about the account in Matthew of Jesus' birth and the wise yeah. men showing up. And I said, you just blitzed through that, but you missed all the details. Yeah. And I want to make sure we don't do blitz through this mist of all these details. We don't know that trigger for um, Abraham. Other than he saw them. There they were. We don't know if he greeted every stranger this right. way. This I'm seems to be unique. Couldn't. I doubt you have like unlimited calves. Well, he kind of does. He's got at least 318 men that are special okay. forces trained fighters. I'm just saying, like you said, this isn't just a quick little 
tea party. Like, he yeah, really he, yeah, showed he, some impressive hospitality. Yeah, so these, he knew he was going to be entertaining these men for a good couple of hours. Yeah. Like, okay. the better part of the afternoon, so to speak. <clears throat> All right, back to verse 9. Uh, no, I'm sorry, verse 8. Then he took curds and milk, the cottage cheese, and the calf, and he set it before them. And he was standing by them under the tree while they ate. And he said to them, where is Sarah your wife? And he said, here in the tent. And he said, I'll certainly return to you in the spring. And look, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the doorway of the tent, which was behind him. And now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. The way of women had ceased to be for Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself. And after I am worn out and my husband is old, shall this pleasure be to me? Then Yahweh said to Abraham, What is this that Sarah laughed, saying, Is it indeed true that I will bear a child now that I've grown old? Is it indeed true that I'll never bear a child now that I've grown old? Verse 14. As anything is anything too difficult for Yahweh, at the appointed time I will return to you in the spring, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh because she was afraid. He said, no, but you did. Oh, man, to get busted by Yahweh. I have just one verse, one thing here. One of the three men was now clearly identified as Yahweh who knew Sarah's thoughts. So that must have been... Yeah. Must have been a little intimidating, and that's why she backpedaled a little bit, right? It's one thing to have your mail read by somebody, but, right, right. you know... Mm, this is going a little bit deeper. Than especially, that. like, how old is she? She's 90, right? Uh, let's see here. Abraham was... She's 16 years younger than Abraham? I thought 10 years. 10 years? Yeah. Anyway, okay. she's old. She's already... She's postmenopausal. He's 100. She's 90. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And she's got a 13-year-old son. Just, uh, half. 14-year-old son. Oh, I'm sorry. Step, she doesn't. Right. Yeah. She has a... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a teenage boy running around. Okay, here we go. Uh, 16. And the men, then the men set out from there, and they looked down upon Sodom. And Abraham went with them to send them on their way. Then Yahweh said, now Yahweh didn't go. Yahweh said, shall I conceal from Abraham what I'm going to do? Abraham will surely become a great and strong nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed on account of him. For I have chosen him, that he will command his children and his household after him, that they will keep the way of Yahweh to do righteousness and justice so that Yahweh may bring upon Abraham that which he said to him. And Yahweh said, because the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very serious, I will go down and I will see. Have they done altogether according to its cry of distress which has come to me? If not, I will know. Verse 22. And the men turned from there and went toward Sodom. And Abraham was still standing before Yahweh. Abraham drew near to Yahweh and said, Will you also sweep away the righteous with the wicked? If perhaps there are 50 righteous in the middle of the city, will you also sweep them away and not forgive the place on account of the 50 righteous in their mindset? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to kill the righteous and the wicked, that the righteous would be as the wicked? Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do justice? And Yahweh said, if I, sin, if I find 50 righteous in Sodom, 
in the midst of the city, then I will forgive the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham answered and said, Look, please, I was bold to speak to you, my Lord, but I am dust and ashes. Perhaps the fifty righteous are lacking five. Will you destroy the whole city on account of the five? And he answered, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. And once again he spoke to him and said, What if there are forty found there? And he answered, I will not do it on account of the forty. And he said, Please let not my anger, do not let my Lord be angry, and I will speak. What if thirty are found there? And he answered, I will not do it even if I find thirty. And he said, Please now, uh, please now, I was bold to speak to my Lord. What if twenty be found? And he answered, I will not destroy it for the sake of the twenty. He said, Please let not my Lord be angry, and I will speak only once more. What if ten? Ten were found there. And he answered, I will not destroy it for the sake of the ten. Then Yahweh left as he finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. So Abraham doing a little bartering for the lives of a city. It sounds kind of like me when we talked about Canaan, when I was like... Ah, yeah. <clears throat> that's what, not that I'm like saying I'm, yeah. I'm Abraham, you know. <laughs> okay. But like, they all had to die. Yeah. You know, but... It just shows how wicked. It exactly was. what it does. It shows I don't know how many people live there, but I'm assuming there were. It was a pretty major city at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. But you know, there's there's a little undertow here, a little something interesting. When Abraham and Lot separated, it wasn't just Lot, one guy and his wife and children. Lot had a group like Abraham has a group, so yeah. there were dozens that went with Lot and all the animals and, and everything. They all... So. Got sucked all in. those people, yeah, they got sucked into the culture of the area they went to, except for Lot. So all those people, there you can look at this, and if Abraham is 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 bargaining, even if because Abraham's thinking about some of those people that he knew. What if you found? What if they're there and they're righteous? I mean, what if? Uh, what if? What if? What if? What if? What if? Yeah. And and he's you know, basically making these. Bargains, okay, from 50 to 10. Yeah. I've got that many covered, so I hope that Lot and the rest are okay. Abraham must have known Sodom's reputation. Cause yeah. To make this bargaining. It wasn't, well, Sodom wasn't it. a mystery, yeah. Yeah, and he, his nephew yeah, they, he was had there. To know. Sure. Right. So he still loved <clears throat> his nephew enough as a son to, right. to try to save him. Yeah. Okay. Okay, chapter 19. And the two angels came to Sodom in the evening. And Lot was sitting in the gateway of Sodom. Then Lot saw them and stood up to meet them. And he bowed down with his face to the ground. And he said, Behold, my lords, please turn aside into the house of your servant and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you can rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the square. But he urged them strongly. And they turned aside with him and came into his house. And he made a meal for them and baked unleavened bread. And they <coughs> ate. Before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. Oh my gosh. All the people to the last man surrounded the house. That's terrifying. And they called to Lot and they said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we may know them. A little note on note, just to be clear, is the Hebrew word. Hebrew idiom for intercourse. And you can see that in Genesis 
And he said, no, my brothers, please. Why won't you go away? I know it won't go away now, suddenly. Sorry, guys. I know it's being very strange all of a sudden. Do not. Do not do this. Please do not do this wrong thing. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you and do to them as it seems good in your eyes. Only to these men do not do this thing since they came under my roof for protection. Okay, just... I know, do it. So, Ryrie says, Lot's offering his daughters as explained, though not justified, by the demands of hospitality, which obligated a host to protect his guests at all costs. But drop them all there, dude. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <coughs> okay. Okay. Just go in here real quick to look at some things. Uh, my note on um, to the last man says, not every last person named the literal sense. Rather, this is a rhetorical statement. Shows that the men of Sodom were living up to their ungodly reputation. Okay. Um, and they wanted to humiliate Lot's men, the Lot's guests. Okay. Um, and that's big humiliation. Okay. All right. Um, nine. Verse nine. But they said, step inside. Step aside. Then they said, this fellow came to dwell as a foreigner. And he acts as a judge. Now, we shall do worse to you than them. And they pressed very hard against the man, against Lot. And they drew near to break down the door. Then the men reached out with their hands. And they brought Lot into them, into the house. And they shut the door. And the men who were at the entrance of the house, who were struck, uh, they struck with blindness, both small and great. And they were unable to find the entrance. Then the men said to Lot, who is this, who is here with you? Bring out from the place your sons-in-law and your sons and your daughters and all who are with you in the city. For we are about to destroy this place because their cry has become great before Yahweh. Yahweh sent us to destroy it. Then Lot's, Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who were taking his daughters, and said, Get up, go out from this place, because Yahweh is going to destroy the city. But it seemed like a joke in, his, in the eyes of his sons-in-law. And as the dawn came up, the angels urged Lot, saying, Get up, take your wife and your two daughters who are staying with you, lest you be destroyed with the punishment of the city. But when he lingered, the men seized him by his hand and his wife's hand and his two daughters on account of the mercy of Yahweh upon him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. And after bringing them outside, one said, Flee for your life. Do not look behind you and do not stand anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. And Lot said to them, No, please, my lords. Behold, your servant has found favor in your eyes. And you have shown me great kindness in saving my life, but I cannot flee to the mountains, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee there, and it is a little one. Please let me flee there, and it is not a little one. Then my life shall be saved. And he said to him, Behold, I will grant this favor as well, and I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I cannot do this thing until you get there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zor. Means tiny place. <laughs> Means tiny place. <clears throat> After the sun had risen upon the earth, and Lot had entered Zor, Yahweh rained down from heaven upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from Yahweh. And he overthrew those cities and the whole plain and the inhabitants of the cities and the vegetation <clears throat> of the ground. 
But his wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham arose early in the morning and went out to the place where he had stood before Yahweh. And he looked down upon the sacrifice of Sodom and Gomorrah and upon the whole surface of the land, the plain. And he saw that, behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a smelting furnace. So it was, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out from the midst of the overthrow, when he overthrew the cities in which Lot lived. Boom. I know Ryrie's got lots to say. Oh. That's it? Yeah, that's it. That's all 19. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. He actually doesn't have a ton to say. Um, God's mercy overcame Lot's procrastination, verse 16. Yeah. Where Lot was like, he hesitated. And then... Um, Can we talk, talk about it for a half second? That part caught me the most. Uh, and there was a couple of details, but this part really caught me. Does Ryrie say anything specific to that? That's, that's it. That's, what that's it? Said. Okay. And then 19, Lot pleads inability to escape to the mountains, but in reality he wants the angels to spare nearby Zoar so he could settle next, not far from Sodom. So Lot and his wife clearly still, even though it was a, a really bad place, they still felt connection and like allegiance to it. Somehow, it's kind of weird to yeah. kind of put that in perspective. And then perspective. brimstone and fire, deposits of sulfur, brimstone, and asphalt have been found in this area. Possibly yeah. an earthquake occurred and lightning ignited the gases that were released, causing a rain of fire and smoke. Mm -hmm. And then Lot's wife, who was trailing behind him with her heart still in Sodom, looked back, died, and possibly was enveloped by blowing salt, which formed a pillar around her body. This event was used by Jesus as a warning to others not to look back. <clears throat> so, um, <coughs> working Excuse back me. on my content, been in the church long enough to know that there was once a, a pastor, a lot of pastors back in the day, they would have a clock behind the congregation, you know, facing the, facing the, the stage so they could see what time it was. Yeah. And, um, one pastor put a sign under the clock, said, remember Lot's wife. So that the congregation... That's cheesy. Yeah. Okay. But 16, real quick. But when he lingered, the men seized him by his hand, his wife and his daughters, on account of the mercy of Yahweh upon him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So, I, just, I don't want to do an inference thing here, but you know what? God had mercy on somebody who didn't... I don't want to say he didn't want the mercy... But imagine that light, this is a lifeguard situation where sometimes when a lifeguard goes out to rescue somebody who's drowning in the ocean, they got to get a little violent with that person yeah. to overtake them to rescue them. Yeah. So for those who might want to con reconsider a position that, for instance, quote unquote, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, there okay. are times God's mercy will overpower you even violently to yeah. save you. And this yeah. is an exact moment <clears throat> in history that that happened. So I want to point that out. I think I've kind of felt that <laughs> <laughs> that feeling before. Okay. God Matthew is good. Matthew 13 what? 13, 1. The whole thing though? Or? Yeah. Matthew 13, 1 through 43. Okay. So that's not the whole thing. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So the parable of the sower. 
That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. So, whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart in return, and I would heal them. Oh, that's so sad, isn't it? Uh But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. Whoever hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The one whom, on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but it is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the world, because of the word, sorry, <clears throat> immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. The wheat and the tares. Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who has sowed good seed in the field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, for while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather up the tares and bind them up in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. He presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, when a man took, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all other seeds, but when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. 
the leaven, he spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. The wheat and the tares. All these things Jesus spoke to the crowd, the crowds in parables, and he did not speak to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he said, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man, and the field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so it shall be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness, and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. That is a timely parable. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. There's just <coughs> way, way too much. Can we start from the, the back and work forward a little bit? Um, when you were um, reading the parable of the wheat there, at the end, the parable of the weeds, the word here that is used in um, faith life is, in the Lexham Study Bible, is <coughs> Darnell. D-A-R-N-E-L. And it says that Darnell is, and I know this, I just know it's called Darnell. It is identical to wheat. It looks so much like wheat that you can't make a, a, a difference in it. Yeah. But its seed is poison. Yeah. So if you harvest it with wheat and you, it'll thresh like wheat on the threshing floor, mm-hmm. you'll actually be grinding poison into your, your crop. And those who would eat it would then get poisoned. And then when Jesus shows the interpretation that, oh my gosh, that the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, but the Darnell are sons of the evil one. Yeah. My mind went immediately to what apostasy is in the church. That this is clearly where it says, you know, the evil one has sown these seeds. And I'm thinking, man, it says side by side with believers in Christ. And you cannot tell the difference between those who are sown by the enemy and those who aren't. That's how I started seeing this. Mm -hmm. Well, the only thing he says there is um, weeds, in this case, probably darnel, which like you said, which in the blade resembles wheat, but which can be distinguished from wheat when fully ripe. So it takes some time to show your character, basically, right? Yeah, there's a lot in there to that we could unpack, but I'll, then, I'll just leave it there. For the parable of the sower, I yeah. remember reading this before <clears throat> with you. The parable teaches that there will be four different responses to the word. No response, emotional response, worldly response, and fruitful response. Yeah. I like when he just breaks it down. Like that. And that's about all I have for commentary all right well let's i mean we could spend a lot of time on it but that was a long read so let's we'll just let our our couples who are reading i guess what i i guess the challenge i would say is i try to think about like what kind of soil have i been Mm. and what kind of soil obviously we know we want to be but how am i like am i letting anxieties in the world and all that to choke me or am, am i 
what we're trying to do is the opposite of the first one, right? We're trying to like grow some good roots yep. and we're trying to, that's what studying the Bible is to, that's part of why we're doing this, right? Is exactly. To yeah. have good soil and to, to. We're watering the seed. Yeah. And to also make sure that um, we're not letting other things get in and yeah. contaminate. True. Yeah. So our final read of the night <clears throat> is Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. This should be very encouraging. Title, the, the existence of oppression in the world makes human existence miserable. Thanks. So we start with Sodom and Gomorrah and end with misery. If it's your first time listening to us, it's not always this heavy. It is always this sarcastic. Yes. I looked again. And I saw all the oppression that occurs under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed. No one comforts them. Those who oppress them are powerful. No one can comfort them. So I deemed the dead who have already died more fortunate <coughs> than the living who are still alive. But better off than both of them is the one who's never been born. Who's not seen evil deeds that are done under the sun. I also realized that all of the toil and all of the skillful work that is done is envy between one man and another. As a former worker in showing things off of how good you are, I, I get that. I get that. If you're a guitar player, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This also is vanity and chasing the wind. The fool refuses to work with his hands. So he has nothing to eat except his own skin. Better is one handful with peace than two fists full with toil and chasing the wind. I turned again and I saw another vanity under the sun. I have a cool little commentary. Do it. Um, I mean, one through three is just super depressing. Um, four through six. Verse four pictures the skilled worker who, motivated by competition, becomes a workaholic for nothing. Yeah. On the other hand, verse 5 pictures the opposite extreme. The fool who does not work at all and who consequently consumes his own flesh, i.e. starves to death. Yeah. Verse 6 states the happy balance. So one handful of rest is better than two fists full of labor and striving after wind. Mm. And, I mean, I definitely have the tendency to let work become too big. Yeah. So I think this is just a good reminder that... Um, we can't take it with us, and um, it's been really good the last week for me to try to have some more balance. Yeah. So because it's too easy, isn't it, to just let work and responsibilities just take over? It's true. We're starting to, you know, <clears throat> we have all the lives of humanity. We've elevated to rock star status, those who are very wealthy. You know, Bezos and yeah. uh, Musk and, you know, these are private guys who are building their own rockets to go to space, blah, blah, blah. Well, even not for that, like, in, on, like, the women's side, like, on, like, the, I don't even do social media very much, but, like, slay all day and, like, no rest for the, you know, blah, blah, blah. I've been up since 5 o'clock. Yeah, and, like, that's not healthy. Like, there's all kinds of stuff, even if you're not a Christian, like, sleep and balance is important. Yeah. And so, um, I don't, I think I, but also I like that there's like that tension cause we're also not meant to, to not work because oh, we work in balance. You already said <clears throat> it. So I think that's just a challenge that, um, I don't think we're ever going to find like the perfect balance of it. 
close when we have a Sabbath. Yeah. When we take time to rest because yeah. God created Sabbath for us. Gave us that model that you don't work 24-7. Yeah. That you do take one day to not work. Yeah. Because that day is holy to the Lord. And the purpose for that is that your faith and trust that God will provide extends to a day that you're not providing. Yeah. And when those people out there who have to work seven days of work, they have to be the hardest one in the hustle. They have to be the first one there and the last one to leave. Um, that's pride. That's fear. That's arrogance. That's yeah. not godliness. Yep. So, well, let's wrap it up. It was a good read. It was. I love you. Love you too. <coughs> Everybody, thanks so much for being part of the podcast. Might uh, be a little more lighthearted tomorrow, hopefully. Maybe so. We're out of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, maybe that's not. good. Uh, I'm Mark. I'm a guy. I'm Andrew. I'm a bride. We just got done reading the Bible. Thanks, thanks for, for listening. joining us. Absolutely. Give us a, a like and a star and a review on all the places that you can find that. And um, thank you for being part of the show. Have Talk to night. you later. Bye. Thank you.